You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into your latest episode of Nothing But Bets, part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. I am your host, Evan Sattery, joined by Ed Honcho of BasketballNews.com, our lead editor, lead writer, Alex Kennedy. He's joining us today on the show to talk about Rookie of the Year odds, MVP odds, a huge Chet Holmgren game. He's actually playing his second game in Utah Summer League right now, Alex. And we're going to dive into, at the end of the show, talking about Kevin Durant and the latest situation with his odds over in Vegas. But Alex, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. And I'm really glad to have you on here because I want to start off, obviously, Kevin Durant is still the hot topic in the NBA, but we finally get to see some basketball on the court during this time. We saw summer league action in Utah. The Thunder surprisingly brought all their players out for that game, Alex, and no surprise, they dominated in their opener. They're doing so again tonight in game two of the Utah Summer League. But Chet Holmgren stole the show. He had a huge game for the Oklahoma City Thunder. What was your impression of that game? Because in Vegas, ironically enough, here on DraftKings, I'm looking at right now, Alex, he moved from plus 500 to plus 380. He's now the betting favorite to win rookie of the year based off of just one game, but he stole the show. 23.7 rebounds, six blocks, four threes. Chet Holmgren kind of showed exactly why he's viewed as a generational prospect. Yeah, he did it all in 23 minutes too. I mean, you know, to put up 23, 7, 6, and 4 uh, in 23 minutes uh, was pretty remarkable. In his first summer league game, you know, we've I think that was one of the most dominant summer league performances I can think of watching. Uh, and obviously summer league, we sometimes see, you know, second, third year players, even veterans come back and play. So for a rookie to have that kind of performance in his first NBA action, it's pretty remarkable. I know it's interesting because people have kind of pointed out that he looked more like the high school version of himself compared to what we saw at Gonzaga. And I think what's interesting is we heard, we heard some reports now throughout the process that Jeremy Wu reported that Chet left his workout with the magic early and kind of tanked the workout. There was a report from our Matt Babcock that he wasn't sharing his medicals, uh, his medical information, his heart testing, all that kind of stuff. He didn't do the NBA's heart testing. The thought was that he was trying to force his way to OKC. And some people have suggested that that was because of the opening there in terms of the front court and less competition and kind of the role he would have on the thunder. So I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, from the first moment we see him in a thunder Jersey, he's kind of playing that role and dominating and has the ball in his hands. So I'm excited about what he can do as a rookie. I think it's really funny that after one summer league game, his odds jumped that much and he became the new favorite, but I get it. I mean, the opportunity is going to be there in OKC for him to put up crazy numbers. They're not going to win many games by design, uh, but he can put up crazy numbers there and there's not a ton of competition around him. Like some of the other rookies have to deal with. So I get it. Um, you know, I, I think he makes sense as of right now to be the favorite. If you just look at some of the other situations that these guys are in. Um, and I mean, look, I mean, 
he has the skill set. That was never the problem. I think people were worried about his size and whether or not he could, you know, be as effective against NBA bigs who are punishing him. I'm still curious to see, you know, what that looks like uh, when his rookie year starts, because even in summer league, you're not facing some of the guys that you're going to face in the NBA in terms of their size and their strength. Uh, it's really hard for sometimes big men, at especially one that size, to uh, deal with. It's kind of like being a boy among men. Uh, I talked to Rudy Gobert about that, actually. And he said that early in his career, he was just so lanky and so skinny that going against Ennis Cantor and uh, Derek Favors and Paul Millsap and these guys like in practice, he realized that he had to bulk up. So I do think that he's supposed to bulk up and he's going to have a certain, he's definitely going to have problems with some big men that he faces. But uh, clearly the talent is all there. He's going to have every opportunity to put up crazy numbers. Yeah, I think Chet's got a monster rookie year. And I do agree with the betting odds here in Vegas via DraftKings. Here's the top four, Alex. Chet Holmgren plus 380, Paolo Bancaro plus 400, Jabari Smith plus 475, and Jaden Ivey at plus 500 odds. It feels like to me that top four in this rookie class, and really I like even a lot more prospects throughout this lottery and even throughout the first round, Alex. What's your impressions before you get into summer league action? You'll be out in Vegas covering it for us with a couple other basketball news uh, crew members as well. But what's your opinion of this draft class the, as we get closer to summer league? Because if Chet Holmgren, he looks like he's up to the billing so far. It feels like to me, we could be in for a really fun show with Chet, Paolo, Jabari, and Jaden Ivey in their opening night games in a couple nights. I love this draft class. And I think it's made for some really interesting young cores around the NBA. They're going to be really fun to watch. Like I'm based in Orlando. I'm so excited to cover this magic team and be around it. OKC is going to be way more fun to watch than in, in recent years. Houston has an awesome young core. It's going to be exciting. I think we're all pumped about Detroit with Jaden Ivey, Kate Cunningham, the core they have there. You know, there's, I think Indiana even with uh, Matherin and, and Halliburton and, you know, some of the young guys they have. I'm really excited for some of these young cores. So I'm a big fan of this draft class. And I think uh, we have some teams around the NBA with some really intriguing young pieces that are going to be fun to watch. Even if they're not going to win many games this year, they're going to have, uh, it's going to be fun watching them play some interesting developmental basketball. So yeah, I think this class could definitely produce multiple all-stars. Like I would not be surprised if we see five or six all-stars come from this class, not only from the guys at the top, but one thing that's interesting about this class is there's a ton of one and done guys. Like even if you get to the late first round, early second round, you're talking about one and done guys that have a ton of potential. They're obviously more boomer bust, but I think those guys are pretty interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of them hit as well. It's going to take a little bit longer. I'm sure they're not going to have, you know, the guaranteed role or minutes right away. Like, you know, some of the guys that uh, are the top of the class will, but there's a lot of high upside guys in this class. Like, I don't think anyone would be surprised if a few years from now we're talking about Jaden Hardy hitting and outperforming his draft position. There's a number of guys like that in that range where, you know, they could end up being much better and people are going to look back and think, how did that guy slip so far? So I think this is a class that could have quite a few stars. What do you think? I agree with you. I certainly believe Chet Holmgren just based off of what we saw last night and what we've seen throughout his career at Gonzaga and then back in high school at Minnesota. I think he's a generational type prospect, a modern big man who fits right in the NBA, Alex. So I'm a huge fan of Chet. Like you mentioned, Paulo, I'm super excited. The more I think about his fit in Orlando, I think it's a perfect fit for both team and player, and especially Jabari Smith with Jalen Green in Houston. That's a dynamic scoring duo. And then Jaden Ivey, like you covered with Cade Cunningham. They also added Jalen Duran as well. These are really fun young cores. And we'll dive in even more young cores throughout the offseason here on basketballnews.com, the basketballnews.com podcast network, Alex. But before we close this segment out and dive in more into the Kevin Durant situation and more into some other odds as well via Vegas and DraftKings, 
I want to go over here, just your underrated rookie of the year odds. We just went through the top four there. Chet Holmgren plus 380, Paulo Bancaro plus 400, Jabari Smith plus 475, and Jaden Ivey plus 500. I say the top 20 from DraftKings, Alex, off of the list via the rookie of the year odds. Taking out that top four, where would you go based off of the odds provided? I'm not going to reach too far. I think if you get down to, you know, the plus 2000 plus 3000, it's a lot of these guys that aren't going to be starters. They're not going to have a guaranteed role. Like it would take a lot like injuries and, you know, crazy outperforming of, of expectations to really compete for rookie of the year. Uh, so I'm not going to go too crazy. Uh, I'm going to take Keegan Murray at plus 850. You know, we're all talking about Chet, but he's actually played really well so far in summer league too. You know, he had that 26 point performance, 10 of 14 from the field, super efficient. Uh, I think the opportunities there for him to be able to put up some big numbers and, um, you know, potentially also win some games. I know uh, it sounds crazy to say Kings are going to win some games, but he has some interesting pieces around him. So if he puts up some big numbers and can help the Kings make the playoffs, that could be, you know, something where he gets a ton of credit for that. and, And people are talking about him kind of, uh, outperforming his expectations. I think he's a little bit more NBA ready than other guys, uh, you know, in this range too. So I think it's very possible he could, you know, really hit the ground running and potentially uh, compete for rookie of the year. We don't talk about it really enough, Alex, because he's such a humble prospect. He's a very quiet kid, but Keegan Murray, I think he's in a perfect spot in Sacramento plus eight fifty. I think it's a worthy flyer there. And before we dive into my pick, I just want to ask you about Sacramento because I'm really intrigued by what they've done this offseason. They traded for Kevin Herter using a first-round pick in Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless, their contracts. I think that's a really good fit for them off their bench to replace Dante DiVincenzo. They also added, obviously, Keegan Murray in the draft. But Damanis Sabonis, that was a huge blockbuster trade they made last year, sending out Tyrese Halliburton to the Pacers to get back Sabonis. What do you think about this core they have in Sacramento with Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes as well as a win-now piece, Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell? The Kings haven't made the playoffs in 16 years, Alex. Do you feel like this could be the year where they finally push maybe for a playing spot? It feels like to me, if everything hits well, if Keegan Murray is indeed a rookie of the year type of player, they really could be like a top 10 team in the West if everything hits right for them. Yeah, you know, I think they could be a play-in team for sure. Like you look at San Antonio last year was a 10th seed. They're, they took a step back and... and you know, by design. Uh, I think obviously the Lakers are going to be better this year, especially if they can pull off some of the moves that have been rumored. Um, but yeah, I think they could potentially jump into that mix. Uh, and I'm curious to see how this team looks. I, I think it's tough whenever you make a big uh, trade like that mid-season, you bring like a focal point like Sabonis, just because, you know, everyone's trying to get acclimated on the fly. Having a full offseason to be able to develop chemistry and, and kind of learn how to play with each other, I, I think that's going to be huge for this core. And then, as you mentioned, they've made some other moves, you know, putting some interesting pieces around, uh, you know, that duo of Fox and Sabonis. Uh, you mentioned Herder, Keegan Murray. They went and signed Malik Monk. You have Davion Mitchell, who's going to take a step forward and have that, you know, internal development. I, I think they have a lot of talent. I'm very curious to see what this team looks like, uh, you know, once everyone's kind of out there. But I think they absolutely have a chance to take a step forward and really surprise people. I, I like the core they've assembled. I don't think they're a team that is going to be competing for, you know, a top seven, top six seed. I think they're more of in that play-in uh, range. But could they do what Minnesota did last year where, you know, they end up sneaking into the playoffs and, and kind of surprising some people? And for them, I mean, that would be a big win. They just want to make the playoffs and end that drought. So they don't need to go on some crazy postseason run to have a successful season. If they kind of 
uh, if they make the playoffs and then you see positive things from Keegan, from Davion, from this young core, uh, if Fox and Sabonis look good together and, and kind of form that one-two punch, then they can be really interesting. Um, and I think, again, we know that their goal is to win now versus some of the other teams like in Orlando, Houston, OKC. You know, they're more focused in the future. And that's, again, another reason why I think Keegan Murray could kind of hit the ground running. He's, he's going to be 22 years old when the season starts. Uh, some of these other guys are significantly younger. Steph Curry's record-breaking three-pointer, Jason Tatum's buzzer-beating alley-oop, Ja Morant's poster dunk, NBA Top Shots were the greatest moments from NBA history to turn to officially licensed digital collectibles. NBA Top Shots evolved trading cards make it easier to buy, sell, and collect by removing the hassle of grading, shoe boxes, and shipping fees. You can buy or sell moments in a few clicks and access them at any time on your phone or computer. Your collection is always at your fingertips. Start collecting Top Shot moments in any way you want. Collect rookie moments from future stars like Evan Mobley and Kay Cunningham. Collect throwback moments from for- former NBA stars like Shaquille O'Neal and Allen Iverson. Or collect moments from your favorite team and gain access to exclusive perks. Grab your starter pack today and Top Shot will give you $20 back to start your collection and pick up some of your favorite moments in the marketplace. Go to about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the game today. Again, that is about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the action today. Yeah, I'm there with you. I <clears throat> Excuse me. I really love the Kings core here, and especially Keegan Murray. I love the plus 850 hit here. I'm not going to go any really much below you, Alex. I'm going to go with Benedict Mather, the number six overall pick right behind Keegan Murray, who went number four in this year's draft to the Indiana Pacers at plus 1,000. I think this is a really good dart throw at the board here, Alex, because Benedict Matherin is going to get a lot of playing time. He's going to be an instant starter. He's going to get up a lot of shots as well next to Tyrese Halliburton. And the Pacers have not been shy, Alex. I know you have a story cooking up here. Sometimes this offseason about Tyrese Halliburton, this Pacers team, because they are very high on him as a star type player in the NBA, as am I, and you are as well. He could really help out Benedict Matherin right away, hit the ground running. They're not going to win a lot of games next year. They're obviously tanking, and I wouldn't say obviously tanking, but they're prioritizing development, as you, as you can say. And I think that they're in a really good spot next year to maybe finish around the lottery and be in a good spot to add another huge piece. But Benedict Matherin this year, he could be a 20-point-per-game scorer, and I wouldn't be shocked at Alex. He has the mentality. He has the the it factor, in my opinion. He's actually a really good scorer as well. So what's your thoughts on Matherin at plus 1,000 and also just this Pacers core as a whole? First of all, that was some good spin, changing uh, tanking to focusing on development. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm used to it. By uh, that was Ryan McDonough, the former Suns GM. That was his uh, code word for it back in the day. I love it. It's perfect. Um, I, I think that's a, a really good pick. He was the other guy that I was eyeing just because I think, like you said, the opportunity is going to be there for him to put up numbers in this core. I, I think the pieces around him kind of complement him really well, and, and there's going to be shots for him. Um, I love the article that you did about him as well, just breaking down uh, why the Patriots were interested in him. There were great quotes in there from Rick Carlisle talking about what they saw during his pre-draft workout, and uh, just it was a great article. So definitely check that out, and it was a good breakdown of his game and what he brings to Indiana. But no, I love what the Pacers are doing. I think when you look at kind of where they were this time a year ago and where they are now, I love the position that they're in now. You know, obviously they're not going to be as competitive, but they're going to be scarier in the future because they've put together some really nice cornerstone pieces that they can build around going forward. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tyrese Halliburton. You mentioned the article that I'm doing. I'm interviewing Tyrese and some other people around the organization. So that's coming pretty soon. We might have a video component too. So definitely check that out. Um, But yeah, I love what they've kind of built there. And, And I think in today's NBA, especially, you don't want to be a middle of the pack team over and over again. I think you you definitely want to, you know, either try to be toward the bottom of the, of the standings or or near the top. So I, I think the the fact that they realized, hey, we're we've gotten as far as we can with this core. It's time to blow it up. They did a great job, kind of 
getting uh, assets back for the pieces they moved away. And I think they're in a great position going forward. Let's move on here, Alex, to the second part of our show. We're going to dive into the MVP odds. And then after that, we'll dive into the Kevin Durant situation, the updated odds via DraftKings as well, because there is some, some serious movement heading towards the Brooklyn Nets as of late. But before we dive into that, quick MVP look in, Alex. And these are the updated odds from DraftKings today here on Wednesday. And I'll get out the top five for everyone. It is Luka Doncic at plus 475, Joel Embiid at plus 550, Giannis Antetokounmpo at plus 750, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, and John Morant all tied at plus 1,200 odds. And then after that, Stephen Curry at plus 1,700. Alex, what's your opinion? I know it's still kind of undecided with this whole Kevin Durant situation because I feel like if he does end up in a spot that could help him immediately, he could be even better odds down the road once that trade officially happens if it actually does come to fruition. But looking through this list I sent you of the top 20, on, on the odds here. What's your overall look at the odds on the odds board? And we'll dive into our picks in a few minutes here, but your overall assessment this early on in the MVP race for next season. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, seeing Luca number one makes sense. People are, are super high on him and what he can do, you know, especially after that player playoff run too. I think it's interesting that Jokic is at uh, plus 1200 at number five, uh, you know, the back-to-back MVP who is so consistent and, and dominates every single night. I'm sure there's, some element of voter, voter fatigue there. People think, okay, he's not going to win three in a row. Uh, that seems unlikely. So I think that's interesting. But the guy's been so consistent. He's dominated every single year. Uh, I think the pieces around him are going to get better, which which could definitely help him. Um, so I, I don't think that... Uh, I'm kind of surprised to see him there. Uh, and then some of the guys lower down seem like pretty nice bets. I know we're going to get to that in a second, but I like some of the, uh, the dark horse candidates here too. There are certain guys that are kind of tough to trust like a Kawhi Leonard at uh plus you know 3500 he just doesn't play enough games probably to actually factor in if he wasn't you know coming back from an injury and so focused on like the load management side of things he'd probably be higher up just because we know the impact he can have on games but I think we've seen to be an MVP candidate you have to play you know uh, most of the games so I think that kind of rules him out so I wouldn't really bet on him uh but I like some of the guys after him yeah, let me go ahead. I'm going to throw a huge curveball started off, Alex. And this can kind of give us the runway for a few minutes to talk about this team because I feel like they're very underrated even after making a huge trade. And we were talking about off the air here, but they acquired a player who really helps a team wherever he goes become a regular season juggernaut. And that is the minister of Timberwolves, Rudy Gobert. I'm not saying Gobert for MVP, but I'm going to say Anthony Edwards at plus 6,000. That's a huge jump for the third-year wing, but I'm very confident he's going to be a star little player in the NBA, Alex. I think next year... He could be a 25-plus point-per-game score on a 50-plus win team, which I think vaults right in the MVP conversation at that point. And I think Minnesota's betting on Anthony Edwards to be a star-level player, adding Rudy Gobert. They dished out all their future draft capital, all their really good young assets to get Gobert on board with Edwards and Crown Anthony Towns. We know how good Towns is, but I feel like Anthony Edwards, Alex, I'm very high on him. I think he's the face of the Timberwolves franchise. I think he's eventually going to be the number one option. Offensively, he hasn't already, so... I'm huge on this Timberwolves team. I'm huge on Anthony Edwards. So I'm going to throw a huge dart at the board here at plus 6,000. But I would not be shocked at all if this Timberwolves team gets some buzz and so does Anthony Edwards later on. I mean, he's 20 years old and we just saw him average 25 points, 4.2 rebounds, three assists, a steal and a block during the playoffs. I mean, he he was incredible. And obviously, we know what he can do talent-wise. I think I've heard some people talking about this trade for Gobert and saying, oh, you know, uh, he's not in the same timeline as Edwards. You know, they should go for someone younger. But 
I think we've seen Edwards is ready to dominate right now. It's like a John Morant thing. I think he's going to take a huge leap forward. I'm not worried about Edwards needing another couple of years to kind of get in his prime. I think he's there. So I would not be surprised if he's the leading scorer of this team. And to your point, they're, they're a team that I think is going to be really good. You know, people have been clowning on Gobert uh, and saying this is a huge overpay and things like that. It's interesting because Gobert is like the most polarizing player in the NBA. And there's such a gap between how executives and other players view him and how fans view him. Um, and I think really he's a defensive system unto himself. Our Nikai Duncan wrote a great article breaking down, you know, his impact on games, how he could fit in Minnesota. I think this team could be very, very good. I think he's going to have the best defensive help around him that he's had in his career, especially if they add some more pieces around him. Uh, you know, if Minnesota continues to be active and look for some more perimeter help, uh, I think this team could be fantastic. I'm really excited to see how they look. And if they, can win as many games and climb into the top five of the Western Conference as we think. And Edwards kind of takes that big next step forward. It'll be tough for him to win MVP, but could he get into that mix? Uh, it's definitely possible. And then, I mean, all for a guy that's, you know, plus 6,000 odds, all you're hoping is that he gets into the mix and anything can happen. So, I mean, considering the odds and, you know, how much of a return you'd get if you, if you took a flyer on him, I don't hate it. Yeah, I think it's a really fun one. I really love what Minnesota has done this year. But Alex, let me give you the floor here. Who is your pick if you're going through as an under-the-radar MVP candidate? So let me just kind of break down my thinking on a few guys. I think uh, Devin Booker's you know, tempting at plus 2,500. But if Kevin Durant comes, that changes things, obviously. It's tough. You know, We've seen voters don't like rewarding guys if they have multiple star players kind of helping him or uh, helping them. So I think that would uh, hurt him. I already mentioned Kawhi and Anthony Davis. Both of those guys aren't going to play enough games, I don't think, to really factor in. Um, some guys that jump out, Zion kind of, you could probably lump into there too, just because he's been so hard to trust. Uh, he's plus 5,000. The guys that kind of jump out to me right away are Jimmy Butler at pl plus 5,000, Trey Young at plus 3,000. And let's see... LeBron James at plus 1800 isn't horrible either. I mean, he obviously has the narrative on his side. If he can put up the kind of numbers that uh, he did this year, he's going to get buzz. We saw it this year, even he got MVP buzz um, at one point. So if they can kind of turn things around, you know, land Kyrie, which has been rumored uh, and win some more games and he puts up the numbers, you know, we know how the media feels about LeBron James. He's beloved. It would be like a storybook thing for him to be able to be the oldest MVP uh, in NBA history and to be able to accomplish what he's done at his age. It's hard to ever count him out, really. So while I'm not, you know, saying he's going to be MVP, I don't hate it as a dark horse type of uh, dart throw. But uh, Jimmy Butler is probably the one that jumps out at me most. He's plus 5,000. This Miami team is going to be good. We've seen what they can do in the regular season. Um, does he have the stats to do it? I don't know, but we just saw him completely dominate in his playoffs. So maybe he has a career year, puts up big numbers. Miami gets the number one seed in the Eastern Conference and uh, he gets some consideration. Yeah, I wouldn't be stunned by that either. I mean, Miami, I think if they make a move here, we obviously have to see what happens. Maybe Donovan Mitchell, maybe Kevin Durant. They're obviously always star hunting in Miami. So I wouldn't be stunned by that. And Jimmy Butler's already shown he can will this team deep into the playoffs without another star on board. So I love Jimmy Butler there. You also mentioned Trey Young, and I want to get your thoughts real quick before we dive over to Kevin Durant into Atlanta, because I haven't had your opinion of the DeJounte Murray trade on the show just yet. I was a huge fan of the move. I think it's an under-the-radar under the move. I know getting up three first-round picks is a lot for Murray, but he's just not entering the prime of his career. He's on the same timeline as Trey Young. What's your opinion of that fit with Young and DeJounte Murray? 
Yeah, I love it. I'm really surprised that the Spurs were willing to move on from him. Uh, you know, I, I think a player like Murray just has so much upside. And we've seen he's been fantastic uh, early in his career, became an all-star. I think uh, he the future for him is really, really bright. So I was surprised San Antonio was willing to let him go. But I kind of get it, too. Once you, you know, Initially, it's one of those things you're shocked to hear DeJounte Murray could be available. But then the more we kind of heard that came out, uh, they have so many guys on their roster that are just young. 11 guys that are 22 years or younger. So, I mean, they definitely are focused on the future. DeJounte's a bit older than those guys. Uh, so the thought is, you know, they can now tank a bit, focus on that young core, and then from there, um, you know, try to win in a few years. So whereas, you know, he's kind of ready to compete right now. And maybe they felt he was going to win them too many games to kind of try to compete for some of these top prospects that are in next year's class. So I kind of get it the more you hear about it. And then once you see the return with the multiple unprotected draft picks, the first round picks, I mean, that does make sense. It's kind of a win-win deal. So I actually like it for Atlanta though. I like, you know, we just saw they made the Eastern Conference finals two years ago. Uh, this was a down year for them and Travis Schlenk and the front office, they, they were talking about how they wanted to make some big changes. They were very aggressive, had a lot of trade talks. Uh, I think this could be a really, really good move for them. And I think DeJounte and Trey complement each other really well. I'm excited to see that backcourt. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, John Collins has been rumored to also be on the move this offseason. Uh, the KD stuff has obviously paused that for now just because it seems like uh, you know any trade talks that are out there, especially for a big name like a John Collins and Miles Turner, it seems like those are kind of all on pause while everyone focuses on KD and waits for that domino to fall. But this team could still have some more moves with their sleeve too if they move a John Collins you know, make some other additions. So I'm excited about Atlanta. I think uh, Trey could have another big year. We know what he can do as far as putting up crazy stats. You know, if they can take a step up in the standings, uh, Trey is an interesting flyer too. Yeah, they'd be a really fun fit. I know that they really emptied out all their assets, mostly for DeJounte Murray, but they're still in a good spot. Run basketball news, Alex. They could get DeAndre in if they wanted to. If they wanted to bring Clint Capella, if they wanted to throw Bog- or Bogdan Bogdanovich, maybe one of the rookies, AJ Griffin as well. Maybe that could help them get a DeAndre who I think would be a perfect fit with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. So I, I love the throw of Trey Young for MVP, Alex. I think it's a really solid 